It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Won't you join us? Fire 
Sirim, piyutim, mizmorim, sifurim 
Shalayim Shebalev, the one, the only, Avremo Avram Freed here at JM in the AM. It's a good song. It's a good single. All about Jerusalem. Uh, before that, the uh, Udi Davidi selection, Ki Eshmerah Shabbat, off of Orot Gvohim. Yeravna, great brand new single from Eitan Katz. David Gabe had Shir Ha'achdut. That's one of the themes that's flying around uh, these days. As we folk, excuse me, as we focus on our brothers and sisters in Israel, Shirach, the song of unity. That's David Gabe. Yeah, Yerushalayim from Avremel. We have, um, Shirach, from David Gabe. Uh, Shabbos project, that's one of the things that's, uh, dominating the Jewish world right now as we get ready for Shabbos with the Shabbos project. The Kalbach Shabbos is this Shabbos for a lot of different synagogues. The Kalbach Shabbos is this Shabbos. It's his yard site is Thursday. Lots going on. Uh, David Gabe, Shira Achdud, Yismuchu, done by the uh, folks at the Waterbury Yeshiva. That's brand new. Michael Nadada with Moda Ani. You heard Rai Baruch Chait, light a Shabbos candle. We had a chance to speak to him yesterday about that brand new single in honor of the Shabbos project. It is amazing. And Regesh, Moda Ani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this October the 23rd, day 10 in the month of Mar Cheshvan, the year 5776. Tav Vav, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Lech Lecha, candle lighting at 545 on this Erev Shabbos. 545 is candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos. 
Um, Israel switches to daylight savings time Sunday morning. Excuse me. Israel switches to standard time Sunday morning. So for a few days, for a short period of time, there will be a six-hour difference between our time zone here and the Holy Land. Keep that in mind, all right? Please keep it in mind. I'm begging you. Um, all right, it's a six-hour difference coming up starting Sunday when we speak to you Monday morning. Our 2 p.m. newscast will really be 1 p.m. in Israel. That's how it's going to work. All right, so they changed the clock in Israel this weekend. 55. And by the way, that changing of the clock in Israel this weekend is dedicated to listener Simon. The announcement about uh, about standard time is dedicated to listener Simon, who uh, got us the information. 55 degrees, 56% humidity, winds are west at 6 miles per hour. Yes, it is cooler out there than I thought. Sunny today with a high of 59, clear tonight, low 42. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a high Shabbos. 59 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 87. We're at 55 here in Jersey City on a Friday morning broadcast. As we say good morning here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline an hour from now. Our weekly update one hour from now at 7.40 in the morning. Uh, Rabbi Yudin, of course, coming up with the Torah portion of the week and plenty more between now and 9 a.m. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 on jmtheam.org and the NSN app with Table for 2. 10 o'clock for our Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix. A lot happening, always. And make sure you have the NSN app, clearest and easiest way to listen into our programming from anywhere around the world. Plus, you can comment on the app whenever you wish, which is a, which is a pretty cool um, feature as well, let me tell you. It certainly is. It is one cool feature. <laughs> uh, JM and the AM as we continue with, uh, let's see, what should we do for everybody here? We've got to get to the Kalbach Mimkomcha sometime this morning. Right, it is the Shabbos before his yard site. So at some point this morning we have to play that. That's for sure. Right now I think we'll go to uh, something brand new from Simcha Liner. As you're listening to JM in the AM.
Pretty amazing selection. It's Yaakov Shweki and Mimkomcha. 
Moshav band with Bowie Vishalom, Shabbat Shalom, a perfect Shabbos project selection, that classic from Diaspora. His Sower Reed done by Shmuel Levy. You heard Kanfei Nisharim. That was Simcha Liner off of SL2. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Lech Lecha with candle lighting at 545 on this Erev Shabbos. Israel switches to standard time tomorrow night. It'll be a few days of a six-hour difference between the Eastern Time Zone and the State of Israel. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmdam.org. To our news from Israel coming up, if we can get our news from Israel to uh, actually cooperate with us this morning. Why we're having such trouble, I don't know, but hopefully in the next few seconds we'll have some success here at JM in the AM. Sunny weather with a high of 59. Yerushalayim is at 87. We're at 55 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Golly, it's all in the background. To our news from Israel coming up and plenty more happening. Gali Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from Jamnia. Gali Tzal, Asha'a 2, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansour, Ima Shakore Achshav. בירושלים נעצר אדם כשברשותו סכין בחשד שהתכוון לבצע פיגוע דקירה. כתבנו רום ליאור. צוות משמר הגבול נקרא לחפש אחר אדם שתושבים זיהו מתצפת לכיוון בתי תושבים יהודיים. כשהדרו אותו סירב להציג את ידו הימנית ולאחר שהשתלטו עליו התגלתה בשרבולו סכין. בחקירתו הודה החשוד כי הגיע לירושלים כדי לבצע פיגוע דקירה. מוקדם יותר היום סמוך לחברון דקר פלסטיני חייל ופצע אותו קל. המחבל נורא ומצבו בינוני. נשיא המדינה לשעבר שמעון פרס אומר שצריך להכיר בהשפעתו החיובית של אבו מאזן על הפלסטינים למרות ההסתה. הנה קטע מדבריו בריאיון לאסף ליברמן בגל"צ. צריך להיות ברור שלמרות ההסתה, למרות אבו מאזן, כל היום עושים לו ניתוחים, אבו מאזן גם עשה דברים לא מבוטלים באופן אישי. שהוא יצא נגד טרור, הוא לא משנה את דעתו, שהוא יצא בעד שלום. שהוא הקים כוח ביטחוני בהסכמתנו שישתתף במלחמה בטרור. הרעיון המלא שודר בתוכניתנו בוקר טוב ישראל ביום ראשון לציון 20 שנה לרצח ראש הממשלה יצחק רבין זכרו לברכה. הבוקר פורסם בידיעות אחרונות שאבו מאזן ביקש מחברי הכנסת הערבים ישראלים שלא לעלות להר הבית כדי שלא להתסיס את השטח. ההוריקן פטריסיה, המתקרב כעת לחופי מקסיקו, הועלה בחומרתו לדרגה חמש והוא צפוי להכות שם הלילה. ישנה סבירות גבוהה שזה יהיה ההוריקן הקשה ביותר שיפגע בארצנו מאז שהחלו המדידות. כך אומר רוברטו רמירז, ראש רשות החיזוי של מקסיקו. מהירות ההוריקן כעת היא 320 קילומטרים לשעה. בשוודיה מעריכים שהתוקף שרצח אתמול שני בני אדם בבית ספר פעל ממניעים גזעניים. כתבתנו עופרי אשל. לאחר שערכו חיפוש בביתו, משטרת שוודיה הודיעה שהרוצח, שנורא ומת לאחר שדקר למוות מורה ותלמיד, פעל ממניעים גזעניים. עדיין לא ברור למי הופנה פשע השנאה, מכיוון שזהות קורבנותיו עדיין לא פורסמה. עם זאת, כלי התקשורת המקומיים דיווחו כי בחשבון הפייסבוק שלו נמצאו ציטוטים אסלאמופוביים, ואזכורים רבים להיטלר ולנאציזם. 
חשד לתאונת פגע וברח בתל אביב, הולכת רגל בת 70, נפצעה בינוניים מפגיעת רכב ברחוב בני אפרים בתל אביב. הנהג המשיך בנסיעתו לאחר הפגיעה ולא סייע לאישה, היא פונתה לבית החולים איכילוב בעיר. המשטרה מחפשת אחר הנהג הפוגע. רוכב אופניים בן 17 נפצע בינוני מפגיעת רכב בכפר חב"ד, הוא פונה עם חבלת ראש לבית החולים אסף הרופא. תחזית מזג האוויר, התחממות בסוף השבוע, ובראשון צפוי לרדת גשם. עדכון לציבור הנוסעים בעקבות עבודות תשתית, צפויים שינויים בתנועת הרכבות. כתבנו ניתאי הנבי. תחנות הרכבת בנהריה ובעכו תיסגרנה החל במוצאי השבת, והרכבות תחלנה ותסיימנה את נסיעתן בתחנת קריית מוצקין. לרשות הנוסעים יעמדו הסעות בין התחנות. ביום שני תיסגרנה בנוסף תחנות המפרץ והקריות, ושירות הרכבות תפעל עד חיפה מרכז השמונה. התחבורה הציבורית תתוגבר עד לסיום העבודות במוצאי השבת הבאה. לעדכונים נוספים חפשו גל"צ בטוויטר. אלה החדשות שעורכת טלי חזקאלי בצוות לירון אמיר ועידו גרינברג.
שייך לך, מארצך וממולדתך, כי את כל הארץ אשר אתה רואה, לך אתננה, ולזרעך עד עולם. Ooh. 
J.M. in the A.M. That's Shlomo Katz with Bowie Vishalom. You heard Anim's Miros done by Leif Tahar. Yonatan Sheinfeld, we finally found the song, Lech Lecha. Perfect for this week, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I would say so. And uh, you heard Avi Miller to open up that um, that set. Avi Miller opened up the hour. We're dedicating it to him and his colleagues in the IDF since he served this week in Miluim and uh, reserves, as we said earlier in the week. The CD is a Shua Freed presentation entitled Avi Miller Sings Rav Hillel, a brand new and classic hits from Rav Hillel Palais. It's a double CD. It's just out in America. Derrick Music has released it. Avi Miller is a name you are going to be hearing a lot about. The guy is a young, incredible superstar and... uh You'll be hearing plenty from him. J.M. and the A.M., plenty more coming up, including our weekly update. Malcolm Honline is going to join us as we uh, explore the events of this week, talk about the the news items that have uh, grabbed the headlines and have, in many ways, um, piqued the curiosity of people who follow the uh, news from Israel and the Jewish world. It's coming up at 7.40. You could hear it on the NSN app. You could hear it, of course, uh, on the jmtheam.org website, where we hope you're contributing to our Silent Fall campaign. Go to the top of jmtheam.org for information about that. And, um, of course, right here on the radio. It's JM and the AM with Yitzi Spinner. Yitzi Spinner with Shalom Aleichem here at JMNAM. I wish this uh, video would download faster. There's a video of Danny Danone, the ambassador from Israel to the United Nations, in his first speech to the United Nations yesterday. A lot of great, um, a lot of great quotes, some good drama. Puts on a kippah to read uh, Psukim from the Tanakh, which was pretty amazing. Anyway. I gotta try to post this video later for everyone to see because he did an amazing job yesterday at the UN. Uh, a lot of folks are doing their Kalbach Shabbos this Shabbat. That's right. The Shabbos project is happening this Shabbat and for many it's a Kalbach Shabbos. And I saw a, uh, I saw an email from somebody who had put together a whole bunch of information regarding events going on this uh, weekend. I guess the big one, the one that everyone seems to be talking about is, um, Tomorrow night when the Kalbach Shul gets together at the Westside Institutional Synagogue, the concert 
In honor of Shlomo's 21st yard site, we'll feature Yehuda Green, Lipa, and Ellie Kranzler, which is pretty amazing. Plus, Chaim Kiss is going to be doing Havdalah, special appearance by Ellie Beer. It's a whole bunch of stuff here that's happening this weekend, and we'll try to go through some of it coming up. Um, oh, Neshama Kalbach is actually in concert Wednesday night on the uh, 21st yard site at the Kalbach Shul. She'll actually be at the Kalbach Shul on Wednesday night. The yard site is Thursday. We'll do our 24 hours of Kalbach uh, coming up um, starting Wednesday night here at jmnam.org. And um, that'll go through Thursday and uh, should be very exciting. Those programs always are. Simple as that. Malcolm Honeline is joining us in the next few minutes. We'll do our weekly update coming up at JMNAM. Re- um, Ramat Givad Zev has a huge real estate fair going on this weekend. The huge event is this coming Sunday, October the 25th. Ramat Givadzev has been getting a lot of attention. Uh, we've, spoke about, we've spoken about it before on the air. And between 10 and 5 this coming Sunday at Aish Kodesh on Woodmere Place out in Woodmere, there's going to be a special huge real estate fair, which will concentrate on, this, uh, on the uh, area of Ramat Givadzev. With us live via telephone is our wonderful friend, Ushi Staller, who has many distinctions and many designations, but I think, I think in this regard, uh, we could say safely that, uh, he is one of the original homeowners in Ramat Givatzev, and that is why he is such an effective spokesperson for this project. Ashi Stahler, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Always a pleasure to speak to you, to see you, and to, uh, be on the air. I appreciate that. And with all the distinctions you have in the community, and you have plenty, now one of your claims to fame is that you're one of the original homeowners in Ramat Givatzev. Why there, by the way? You know, you and so many others could choose, thank God, a lot of places in Israel, north to south, east to west. Why did you end up in the neighborhood of Ramat Givadzev? Well, we, we first were looking into different areas to buy. We were looking for somewhere where there would be a, a real community. We do have an apartment in the old, uh, across the street from the Mila Mall. But we'd go there for Yom Tovim, for Chagim, for the holidays. There are people there. You go there during the year. There's no one there. There's no community. Right. Uh, the whole idea of Ramat Givadzev was to build a community there for all ranges of people, people with young children, with people who are retiring, people who are going to make this a community. There will be shuls. There are mikvahs there. There's going to be retail shopping there. Um, and it's going to be built to the standards the American people and the Anglo people are accustomed to. There will be a, a country club there, um, basketball courts. The, the properties are very large, and you're very close to Yerushalayim. When you look around at some of the other communities around the country, which are beautiful and great places to live, um, some of them could be 45 minutes, an hour, or not two hours away from Yerushalayim. This is a, a community that is literally six minutes from the remote mall. You're 15 minutes from Yerushalayim, and uh, to be there in the... Uh, Jerusalem Hills, it, it's just a beautiful place to be. I've been there many times to, to see the construction as it's progressing. And it's just a, um, you know, a, a beautiful place to be. And, you know, with all those type of amenities. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Ashi Stahler, I'm sorry about that. Ashi Stahler is with us live via telephone. The huge real estate fair for Amat Givadzev is happening Sunday out in Woodmere. Uh, before, I want to talk about the construction in a second because I'm sure there's a lot of progress in the last time we've spoken, but um, we're encouraging everybody, as you know. And ironically enough, the last time I saw you was on a flight back from Israel. You know, we, we try to encourage people, especially now with everything going on, to continue traveling to Israel and 
showing support, solidarity. You've had the lucky experience, thank God, as you said, to be a homeowner in Israel. And as much as the solidarity for people like me and others is uh, you know amazing, we're able to contribute in that way, it, it must be the most incredible feeling to actually be a homeowner in the Holy Land. It must be a, a completely different type of experience and one that's just exhilarating, frankly. It really is. Uh, you know, every time, you know, when from the time you get to the airport and check in to the time you get off the plane, you see it. It's a very exhilarating, and especially in a, in a time like this, you know, we were there uh, for for Sukkot, and we did experience the escalation of the violence, and we saw how the people were reacting. And you know, last Wednesday, when the day before we were leaving, I went with my wife and my daughter. We went to the hotel. We said, you know, we're going to go. We're not going to. If we don't go, they win. We're going to go. And you're more careful when you're walking around. Right. But it, it's an amazing uh, feeling. Anytime you're there walking around, this is this is our country. It's the only place in the world that a Jew can feel that they're at home. Yeah, well, and you've made the statement, that's for sure. Um, all right, now, tell me about construction. Has there been a tremendous amount of progress since the last time you were uh, with us to address this audience? Uh, yes, there's been a tremendous amount um of progress with that, I think the uh, the last time the Nofa Israel, the developer, were uh, working on the infrastructure, which is you know basically the roads, right. um, all the electrical, all the power, all the water, the sewer, that everything has to be into the to build the community. Uh, they've already uh, completed all that, and uh, now the construction of the actual homes and the apartment buildings has begun. Is it the largest? Uh, builders in the country is building the apartment buildings, and people are uh, have begun building their own private homes. So now when you're there, you actually see the functions are built. You start seeing the steel coming out of the ground, and uh, like I said, tremendous. And, and this is the hardest part. After this, you know, when you build a building, the, the hardest part is to get out of the ground. Once you're out of the ground, it progresses rapidly. <laughs> that, that's true. That all of a sudden things really speed up. What's the smallest that people are building? I guess I'd ask this in, in terms of how many rooms. And, and frankly, what's the largest someone can do in the neighborhood? I believe the smallest uh, apartments are three-bedroom apartments. Mm-hmm. And the largest are seven-bedroom apartments. Wow. As far as the, the private homes. And in the community, there are approximately 120, 130 private homes or semi-private homes. And there are about 240 luxury apartments. So uh, the size of the uh, semi-private homes and the private homes, I think, range from anywhere from 250 square meters, which is, I think, 26, 2,700 square feet, uh, up to 4,500 square meter, uh, square feet. So they're, they're very large uh, by, certainly by Israeli standards, and they're even large by uh, standards that we are accustomed to. And you just ran through earlier in this conversation the amenities. It sounds like... They left nothing out. Is that a is that a safe statement to make? Yes, that is, that is a safe statement. And I think uh, you know, again, No Fiestrella, the developer, has uh, has built many successful projects and know the target market for this and want to uh, build this community up to the standards that Americans, Europeans, uh, Anglo's living in Israel are are looking for and are accustomed to both. I mean, I spoke primarily about a, from a, uh, Gashmius point of view, but right. is also there, you know, again with shuls and, uh, and schools. And I think one of the, uh, the big problems people have who make Aliyah is they get, their children get to a certain age and they really don't fit into the school system there. And, and many of them are forced to come back to, to America to live. One of the, one of the issues that they're addressing there 
is the educational process. And uh, there have been, uh, you know, some yeshivas who are already committed to coming there. There are others that have been in discussions with who want to create a high school, elementary schools. And again, to stress the education, uh, to make it, um, you know, something that we are accustomed to and something which would be comfortable, uh, you know, for, for the Americans. Pretty amazing. And we should mention one other thing in, in terms of Ruchnius. You have been led in terms of the religious experience in this new neighborhood till this point by Rabbi Shmuel Brazil. I would assume that his, his name and his personality has been an attraction for, especially from people from this area. Yes, it, it, Rabbi Brazil has been a big attraction, and he is uh, someone that was very excited about coming to the community and helping build up the community. And the, one of the things that was very exciting about Rabbi Brazil is anyone who knows him knows his hashkafa. Rabbi Brazil's hashkafa is, you know, somebody wants to come into my yeshiva, they want to come learn, they want to come daven, they want to better themselves, they're welcome. It doesn't matter if they're wearing a kippah through God, jeans, a polo shirt, or they're coming in with a strimal and payas. <laughs> Everyone is welcome. And I think that's also, you know, one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Rabbi Brazil was chosen to build his yeshiva there. And again, one of the reasons why, which the Nashkofa that the community with, you know, is being built on is we all get along. We're all in this together. We're all living. We're not looking at what the other person is wearing. We're looking at, you know, what the people are on the inside. And, uh, again, something which I think is very in, in, uh, in Israel. Yeah, well, can't go wrong with that. That's true. All right. It's under the leadership of Nofei Israel, as you heard. Ramat Givadzev has their huge real estate fair. It's happening Sunday. It's going to be at Ash Kodesh between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. on Woodmere Place. It's a special discount for event participants. So if you are considering this, it is worth going this Sunday because you save even more if you want to be part of a budding neighborhood that's being built six minutes from uh, Jerusalem. Phone number for information is 718-475-5668. That's 718-475-5668. You can also go to the web, nofei-israel.co.il, nofei, N-O-F-E-I-israel.co.il. Our good friend uh, Ashi Stoller is among the first homeowners in this brand-new neighborhood of Ramat Givadzev. Thank you so much for joining us, and good luck on Sunday, and I hope that a lot of people make the move. I hope a lot of people decide that not only are we going to visit Israel, we're actually going to put down some roots in the Holy Land. Thank you, Nassim. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, and you always got a room in our house. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ashi. Thank you Let so much. buying the house next to me. <laughs> there you go. Now we're talking. All right. Thank you so much. Wonderful man, Ashi Stoller. 23 minutes before 8 o'clock. It's JM and the AM Friday, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Lechlecha. Speaking of Israel, Israel heads to standard time tomorrow night. It'll be a few days of a six-hour time difference. Standard time. Candle lighting here, 545 on this Erev Shabbos. 545 is candle lighting on this era of Shabbos, and um, and um, Malcolm Honeline and the weekly update is officially three minutes away. If you keep it here at JM in the AM. Malachem, Malachem, Yashores, 
Abremo, Avram Freed with Shalom Aleichem off the Yanko Yanko CD here at JM and the AM. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend us to their readers. If you want to print out about a thousand articles or more, 
You think that's an exaggeration? I don't think so. Maybe it is. Uh, before Shabbos to read, check out JewishWorldReview.com. And again, I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com, their news feed, which has now become uh, almost as popular as their Simcha feed. I don't know if anything's ever going to be as popular as that. But their <laughs> news feed, which features a whole bunch of entertaining and informative stories from around the world, includes a whole bunch of our content, which we're very proud of. So thank you to uh, our friends at OnlySimchas. Dot com. Israel switches to daylight saving. Excuse me. Israel switches to standard time tomorrow night. Israel switches to standard time tomorrow night. It'll be a few days of a six-hour difference between the Eastern Time Zone and the Holy Land. Candle lighting at five forty-five on this era of Shabbos Parshas Halachah. Big Kalbach Shabbos, of course, because his yard site is this Thursday. So many synagogues observing a Kalbach Shabbos and having uh, spiritual fun with that this weekend. And of course, the Shabbos Project, which is so amazing, takes place this Shabbos, and we hope that everybody has a uh, an opportunity to open their homes and to really spread the word about the beauty and the incredible gift of Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, good to be with you. I appreciate that. There's so much going on. It's unbelievable. Terror attack thwarted earlier today in Yerushalayim. They suspected that somebody was... In fact, trying to use a knife to, or was going to attempt to use his knife that he was hiding to stab somebody. I want to tell you something. I did an experiment yesterday. I was walking in Manhattan yesterday. Experiment may be the wrong word, because thank God it doesn't seem like uh, anything happens here of this magnitude, at least generally. But maybe, um, maybe, um, um, an exercise would be the right word. I'm walking in the streets of Manhattan and just imagining that somebody who's now walking behind me or beside me could potentially be somebody who's trying to harm me. And if you do that, if you engage in the exercise that I did yesterday, you start to understand what our brothers and sisters are going through in the Holy Land as they simply walk the streets. I know it's very hard to quantify, Malcolm, but everybody needs to know, is there, is, are things less, uh, are, are, are things calmer in Israel today than a week ago. I guess people get used to uh, to circumstances, even when it involves escalating violence. The, the actual numbers we don't know, because there are a lot of uh, attempts or things that were prevented, but it seems that the absolute number is down, uh, but there are still ongoing incidents, uh, certainly in the Hebron area. There were several, but also uh, attempts in various parts uh, of Israel. Um, we began the week with the incidents in, the, in Beersheba, a very tragic uh, incident. So I, I can't say that the number of incidents are uh, are really down, but the, the battle has taken on a much broader uh has taken on much broader implications and that the true intent of a lot of this is coming out of why Abbas's speech at the UN and the incitement that he's been engaged in about the, the Arabayat and about the, the, the Al-Aqsa being under siege and about the, the, there were no temples and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is theirs, etc. So much was clarified this week with the with things that you and I have talked about many times, but the press has uh, has tended to ignore uh, has now become blatantly clear. And and you're referring, I would guess, specifically again about 
about the propaganda machine, which gets bigger and bigger in the worldwide media, which all stems from Abbas, the PA, and other, you know, and other allies of theirs. I think that uh, it's more than clear, and the biggest part of the propaganda machine is the media, including American media. The former chairman of the BBC um, issued some very strong criticisms of their coverage of the, the Middle East. Uh, Lord Grade, who uh, was the chairman of the BBC, uh, wrote to them and talked about the nature of, of the coverage and how it is misleading, and they failed to fulfill their obligation to, to the viewers. The chairman, whose name was Cohen, who had stepped down, was also uh, uh, critical. And he points to, uh, Lord Gray, to point, point to the equivalence between the victims of terrorism, terrorism, i.e. Israelis, and Palestinians who were killed by security forces in the act of carrying out terror. And if you look at the language, and it, it's very important because... I, I, I don't remember how uh, that the distortions were so blatant last year in Gaza. They, you know, had the same kind of headlines, you know, 12, palace, 12 uh, Gazans killed without saying that they were launching missiles. Right. Well, here you have, uh, you know, the BBC headline that a Palestinian shot dead after a Jerusalem attack kills two. Well, he was the attacker and he killed two people. And the, the CNN, you know, Joseph Toom catches fire. This is, you know, it's almost ludicrous, in it, but it, it was set on fire. It was uh, arson. And then there was a headline in the L.A. Times that four Palestinian teams killed in Israeli violence. No mention that they were on a murder spree when they did this. Or NBC, man shot after rushing past police. Yeah, he was trying to stab a police officer in the neck at the... At one of the gates in the old city, so the the nature of the distortion. And I heard Yair Lapid interviewed on Hard Talk on BBC, and I have to say I give him a lot of credit. He this was during the night last night. He stood up to him and he said at the end, "I hope that you will find it in your in your heart, or that you will find the ability to give us a little bit fairer coverage." Your, your, the nature of the coverage and the distortions, and he, he, they kept hammering him to criticize the prime minister. He said, "I'm not going to do that on foreign soil." Can I ask you a frank question? The the past chair of the BBC reacts the way you described, and and thank goodness for that. What was the BBC like with Israel coverage under his leadership? Yes, I not, well, some of them uh, actually he did try at times, but BBC's coverage is always bad. Right. The uh, NPR's coverage always bad. I mean, I heard some of the interviews that they did, NPR did, and, and it's it, it you can't believe it. The interviewing families as if you know these are innocent school children who were who who died on a in a car accident or or were shot as they went to school, rather than acknowledging these are people who were engaged in attempts to kill people and were shot and uh, and wounded. But the most blatant case was when Abbas, started in the beginning of the week, went public and showed the picture of this 13-year-old and right. the Israelis had killed him, etc. And you know that he left the hospital two days ago and may not right. even be charged because of his age and circumstance. I want to tell you something else that frustrates me. Maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I'm going to say it. Um, when interview programs have somebody on to state the case of the PA, and on the other side of the table is somebody from the Israeli media. And frankly, there was no reason to invite both of them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
and that's very frustrating. I know what you mean, and it frustrates me too. And you know that it's 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 terrible. And people, we have to remember that people's impressions are created by by virtue of the coverage because that's all that they see. And now you have a third level in this in the propagandistic campaign, which is the use of the internet. That Facebook uh, lending itself to outrageous images and and uh, portrayals and incitement and denying Israel clearly its right to exist, the rights of Jews to, to any place in Yerushalayim, etc. And no balance, no no restrictions. The fact that they can call for violence, which is supposedly a violation, and there are members of Congress now who are looking into this, and there are other efforts, including potential legal actions, uh, uh, to address it. But the the racist nature of, of the comments that Abbas has made, the bigoted comments, the outrageous insult to Judaism, Christianity, to the Judeo-Christian heritage, to so many other things, and then and and the defense essentially by the media. Yeah, and not just the media, by the way, governments around the world as well. As well. And his comments are so inflammatory, and some of them so outrageous. And then Bibi, the Prime Minister of Israel, makes a statement that I would love to get your honest opinion about what you thought of it, but let's say it was a bit of a stretch when it comes to the Mufti of Jerusalem. But look at the reaction to it. Look at the reaction, including from the United States government, going ahead and calling his comments inflammatory and that things need to calm down. Uh, you know, from the Israeli side, because that's what's you know that's part of what's causing all of this. What do you think of his statement about the Mufti and the reaction of the world to it? Well, people are portraying it as if he made up something that uh, uh, has no roots in history, and in fact, he may have put it in a in, in a wrong context. And I have not read the full remarks of his speech, but the fact is that the Mufti of Jerusalem, we have discussed on this show, was in Berlin, was a sympathizer of Hitler early on, not when just in November 1941 when they had the meeting where he talked about the final solution, and it is true that they wanted to dump him, and, the, and he, there were plans that were found for concentration camps to be, held, to be built in then Palestine, etc. So this idea that somehow he made this up out of whole cloth is ludicrous. He did not mean to exonerate Hitler. He was simply saying that right. there was an accomplice, another accomplice, right. in the in, in the horrendous acts that took place. Yeah, no question. Yeah, you don't have to convince me. I'm just saying that for those who don't, don't for the for, for those who think he may have been he may not have been 100 percent accurate. It's amazing what kind of reaction he got to that statement. Someone suggested you may have seen Caroline Glick's article already that he overstated the Mufti's role in the Shawah to get the media to, media to report on this. You know, Arab history, which is essentially unknown. You agree with that? Look, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him about it, but uh, I don't think I don't think that he uh, was trying to bait the media in, into the coverage of this. I think he was really saying, "Look, there is a history. If you look at the nature of the incitement that Abbas has engaged in, the calls, which, as you remember, we've been discussing for two years, more than two years, three years since yeah. the ISESCO meeting in Amman." And I know, and I know from reaction of people who stop me and talk to me about this, our discussions, uh, you know, couldn't understand why I thought this was so significant. Mm -hmm. And I said to, and I told this to the Prime Minister long ago, so that this is a plan. This is not just 
a simple action. Nobody gets the 42 countries together and all of a sudden decides that they want to add the Muslim name to these places. And that it was a progression over the two and a half years or so, three years, where first then became hyphenated, you know, Kotel, the Western Wall, uh, uh, slash al Wall. And now, only Western Wall. Now, only the name of the mosque and not uh, Kevar Rachel. Now, only Marat Machpelah. In the case of, of the, the Kotel, it was so, uh, went so far that they did not do that part. But they, it does not mention that they did remove the other, the Jewish references, uh, which is been the case for 2,000 years. Right. Nobody so, ever called it this mosque, not till the 1990s. Right. we got we, we got to slow down here a second, especially if there are people who haven't been following this. So, so, so today, after, after the developments this week, places like Maratha Machpelah, the Cave of the Patriarchs, okay, let's take that for instance, now is only regarded as a Muslim site? Only as a Muslim site. And this is this and, th- and this is this and this is this week's development. This is, but it's a process. I'm saying to you. Yeah, I understand that, but I'm in, in in August there was a meeting of the World Heritage Council of the UNESCO where this was uh, pushed through. But but several years ago there was a meeting in Amman of the ISESCO, which is the Islamic Society, where all this stuff, where UNESCO was present, where this whole thing was introduced and. Uh, uh, UNESCO introduced the Muslim names into the into their documents. When for, and, and my point is that for 2,000 years, every Arab document, every League of Nations, the United Nations, but every Arab historian called it Kutab Rachel. And only in the 90s did they introduce the idea that this was uh, named for Muhammad's companion or driver. Um, and the the attempt to exclude. The Judeo-Christian heritage, when Abbas said, and and it goes to the level to the issue of incitement, where you did not hear the world press or the or leaders, uh, uh, let alone diplomats, engage in a kind of rhetoric as they have against Israel, right. uh, uh, for not trying to exclude, but saying that they changed the status quo, which is a blatant lie. If, if the status quo has changed, it was against the Jews and for the Muslims. And yet the, the, the language that Arafat kept introducing and said finally a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, that not only is, do that we have Jews have no claim to the temple or Christians, but even the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is ours. Right. So he's eradicating all the ties, all the links. Because he wants to cut us off from the future by cutting us off from our past. Right. Even more outrageous, as you point out, although sometimes it is frustrating how how um big okay i don't want to say the wrong thing here even more outrageous is the claim this week and the uh, and the decision by unesco or or the the um the process that they went through to decide whether like abbas has stated the western wall is a muslim holy site or not now if i'm not mistaken in terms of that decision that that was not acknowledged as a muslim holy site am i right the kotel right the kotel the western wall well, it, it is acknowledged as a Muslim site, but it's still acknowledged as both. Okay, so now it's both. And, but, but is that new? That so now essentially they removed that part from the from the resolution. And I have to say that the the director general of UNESCO, with whom we spoke many times, uh, uh, Ms. Bakova, uh, just saw the outrage that this 
uh, uh, effort represented, and she came out publicly against it. And that's a very courageous move, and especially somebody who wants to run for Secretary General of the UN. But she came out against it and said, "This is, uh, you know, this is ridiculous." So, on the Western Wall, did it maintain the status quo this week or not? Was there any change? Well, it's not a physical change uh, on, on the places, but yes, the the, the all of the places um, uh, were never regarded as a Muslim site. Were, were, were we never saw the the Muslim names associated? Ah, okay. With it. Although, as you know, at Maranat Machpela, there was always the claim that, right. that, that there's a mosque there. Understood. And, and, Jews have always recognized, and then you had separate hours there. Right. Kevin Rachel was not, uh, until, as I said, to the 90s, and no mention was ever made. Right. And certainly at the Kotel. But, but what he's saying is that the Kotel is part of Al-Aqsa Mosque. Right. Understood. just say this is our place. Right. So now let me ask you this question. Is it possible that Abbas, knowing Jewish history possibly better than some members of the Jewish community, unfortunately. Is it possible that because he knows that the Temple Mount is millions of times more important to us than the Western Wall, again, something that many people listening might be startled to hear, is it possible that he, knowing this, went ahead and put in this claim to sort of say to the Jewish community, you know what? Let's make let, let let's do what you've been doing. Let's make the battle over the Western Wall so that it becomes you know fait accompli that we have sovereignty forever on the Temple Mount. Well, that that has been a tactic he's used, but here it, it goes beyond. He does not want to allow any excavations. They're blaming the tunnels. They're attacking the City of David digs. They're attacking all the archaeological efforts. Uh, they talk about the desecration uh, of the holy places. And remember that the Kotel predated Islam by 600 I, years. I understand so, that, but... No, but I, I want the listeners to understand why it's so outrageous that he would make this claim and that the world wouldn't challenge it and that you, they don't look at what would motivate somebody. I know, but our own community challenges it more than they challenge his claims to the Temple Mount. That's what frustrates me. They, We've woken up when they had the nerve to say something about the Western Wall. We should be a million times more outraged when he tries to talk about the Temple Mount not being a Jewish holy site. You know, I've, I've talked about it many times on the show. I agree completely that we don't worship rocks or stones. The Kotel is only holy because it's an outer restraining wall. It's the Harabais that's holy to us. I mean, if he's, if he, I, I hate, again, I gotta be careful how I say this, and I don't want people to drive off the road, but if they said to us, to, to us, if they would say to the Israeli government today, you know what, we'll take the, the Western Wall, we'll give you sovereignty over Harabite, you'd have to make that deal in a second. If you remember <laughs> the controversy, because I said that on the show, that if they would tell us right now, Give us Harabayat, and you take the Kotel. Right. That's what what the, we're talking about, the long term, and the historic ties, and the, what, what really has the Kedusha, the holiness. I mean, all of it belongs to us, and all of it should be available. And we believe that everybody should have access to their holy sites and whatever. But uh, absolutely, the Harabayat, the Temple Mount, is the sacred place for us, and the only desecration that took place there, if you remember when they... Of course! The they took off 400 tons of debris that are still of course. 10 years later. They're the ones who desecrate all of the holy places. And we still continue to read of the incredible discoveries coming out of that mess. Every uh, All the time, amazing things that were found. And if you can imagine that 
you know, unfortunately, the archaeological value uh, was largely destroyed because you have to look at it in the context, and and it proves again that they're not capable of of uh, being in charge, as you saw with uh, Keber Yosef, with Joseph Tum, which he later uh, Abbas then criticized. The only thing that he criticized of the violence, he hasn't condemned one of the stabbings or killings, because. He recognized that his whole effort gets undermined yep. by this attack on, on Kever Yosef. Not the first time or the second time that that, that was done yep. um, to, to uh, a holy place. But the um, and and if you look at the rest of his speeches and the the total denial of any right of Jews, and then talking about Al-Aqsa being under siege, knowing. That there's nothing that incites the population in this Arab Muslim world and the streets and saying Al Aqsa is under siege, the the and, and, and the consequence of all that, all of the violence rests on his hands. Yeah. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at ninety one point nine in the FM dial, broadcasting live. In the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and on the NSN app. I want to welcome Grace in Kentucky listening right now on the app. Um, and I want to remind everybody, please, our silent uh, fall campaign, our silent fall campaign is ongoing right now. Help WFMU and JMM continue to provide services like this one. Uh, go to the top of the page at jmtheam.org and donate as generously as possible. I know we have a million other things to talk about, but give me one more thing on this whole issue. Uh, the the inflammatory um, statements by Abbas and so many others are so outrageous. You, I mean, I'm sure you saw this Gaza University dean calling for attacks on Israeli women and children. You know, that, that that's a good one. Oh, and by the way, as an aside, apparently, unless this is a complete hoax, apparently Abbas's brother-in-law is having life-saving surgery in Israel. He had heart surgery. <laughs> so it's not even a joke. It's a real thing. Yes, absolutely real. Craziness, I'll tell you. So Abbas and his, you know, wh- whoever we want to put in the same categories he is, have all these inflammatory statements coming out. BB says whatever we want to call it, unfortunate statement or exaggeration or he maybe you shouldn't have said it or it was fine for him, whatever you feel about and gets the reaction the way he did. Listeners ask me to ask you, is there a way or there's simply no way around the bias? Is there a way to highlight the difference in the reaction of the world to BB's one comment as opposed to Abbas's million comments? Well, uh, in interviews yesterday, I did it. Others have tried to say that it's it's highly exaggerated. Even Lapid, who was, you know, was in the opposition uh, yesterday, uh, said, uh, spoke about that. Uh, and and if you would read Abbas's speech, and you would see how his unequivocal the support for terror and his racism towards the Jewish people, the Jewish state, the Jewish religion, and against, as I said, Christianity, the the um, uh, and and his blasphemous charges. And knowing that that this could uh, lead to to the kind of violence that we have seen, and never expressing any regret or mourning, and nobody telling him about his uh, excessive language, and then finally it takes a lot of time till till they separate, and they don't say both sides must both sides right. always equating the two, the firefighter and the arsonist, and, and, and the almost pass for. Uh, the kind of comments, and, and it inspires others. You know that ten uh, uh, UN officials were, were engaged. At least ten of them were found to 
be using their uh, positions to to incite the the Palestinians to to stab and to shoot and one uh, even used his Facebook to t- calling for them to stab the Zionist dogs. They got fired. I mean, a few of them got fired last night uh, because of it. But I'm telling you, it becomes pervasive. And when a 13-year-old who lives in a comfortable place in a suburb of Yerushalayim, a guy who works for Bezek in a good position, middle class, yep. driving a nice car, just stop, just decides to ram people. This isn't. This is the consequence of this diet of hatred and and unlike the first intifada it's not something you can simply um, try to find out the route or you take out a rocket launchers or you go after tunnels here it's unpredictable which makes it much more difficult and the potential of this continuing and spreading is very great so the Israelis don't want to do anything that you know stokes the fire but at the same time no government and can or should or will tolerate this yeah. and Israel can that's for sure. A great day one, by the way, for Ambassador Danny Danone of the United Nations. I am biased. He's always been so gracious to us here. But I, one of the things he addressed was this whole issue of uh, the French bringing up international observers for the Temple Mount. Is that something you think may actually happen? It will, I do not believe it will happen. First of all, Israel rejects it. The United States has opposed it. But the chutzpah of the French to to introduce this idea. You know, there is a history, if, if well, you wouldn't remember, but you may have read about. <laughs> there used to be uh, international forces in control. There was the United Nations uh, True Supervision Organizations between 49 and 67. If you remember the uh, international troops that were put much more recently in the, the Philadelphia route between Gaza and yeah, Israel, sure. as soon as there was a bullet, where'd right. they go? Boom, went ran away. Right. But in, as part of the armistice agreement, there was in, in 49, there was a call for free access to the holy places and cultural institutions and use of the cemetery on Harazeti, specifically mentioned. And of course, all those things were, were denied, and in fact, all those places uh, desecrated. And the international observers who were charged to oversee this played no role, did not do anything, no early warning, no... no uh, uh, efforts to uh, uh, to counter it. We told I told the French officials, and we have taken some steps that we are introduced going to ask the Security Council to consider a resolution allowing foreign troops to come to Paris to deal with the still spiraling uh, increases in anti-Semitism in France, which, by the way, running about two times last year, which you know was a terrible year. Yeah. This year it appears to be doubled acts of violence and etc uh, against Jews. So if there's any place that needs to have peacekeepers sent in, <laughs> it's to go to France and to deal with the problem of anti-Semitism there. No question about that. Um, we got to talk about Putin and Assad, but just for a second, anything about the uh, anything noteworthy about the meeting Wednesday with uh, Angela Merkel and BB or the meeting yesterday with John Kerry and BB? Um, no breakthroughs. Um, look, there are a lot of agenda items between Israel and uh, and Germany, and it's I... unfortunate that that controversy over the comment and that Merkel, you know, stepped in saying, right. "Don't blame them. It's us. We did it. We didn't." And he did not try to in any way lessen the burden of Hitler as for being responsible for the act. Right. Um, but the uh, and and the meeting with Kerry uh, precedes meetings that he will have with the King of Jordan and with uh, Abbas. Uh, Kerry came out and made some 
you know, fairly positive comments. But I, I have to just say that, you know, as all, all the bad news always gets headlines, but this week, in fact, the, the U.S. and Israel resumed their defense talks, as you know, the memo of understanding, which mm-hmm. would be a 10-year deal, because the current 10-year deal ends. They're talking about increasing the assistance to Israel, and this is a long-term uh, deal that could make a, a dramatic difference in Israel's ability to defend itself, the Prime Minister said. And that's going to be a big issue when he meets with uh, President Obama. Uh, but the military relationship and the support of the military for aid to Israel and recognizing that its security situation changed by virtue of the Iran agreement, that this week alone there were dozens of U.S. Air Force personnel joining the Israeli Air Force in uh, multinational exercises at the Uvda in the, in the Araba Desert. There was a desert training program with officers from the U.S. Army and four countries. Doing, or there was exercise in urban comment. There was the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit. So all the time you hear about the negatives, nobody <laughs> talks about you know these positives, in addition to the fact that you saw that the Gulf states are now trying to buy Iron Dome, an enhanced version, in fact, of Iron Dome, to protect them. Yeah. Uh, there is some positive news out there. Uh, tell me about the surprise visit, uh, Assad and uh, Putin this week. Right. So we learn about the, the visit after it took place. It right. was flown on a Russian military. And I'd have to assume it was not really a surprise to Putin. Uh, no. <laughs> not a happy birthday. Because the, he- the headlines were like Assad shows up to his front door. Yes. It was ridiculous. Remember Soleimani, the head of the Quds Forces, who's leading the fight in, in Iran to the, in, uh, the, head of the Iran Revolution, uh, Quds Forces, who's leading the fighting in Syria, uh, had made that visit in violation of the sanctions. And I believe that Assad's visit was a violation of Syrian sanctions, but that's secondary to the fact that he went. It's a message that they're trying to send that you see the situation has improved so much so that he can leave the country. And what country would he first visit? He's expressing appreciation to the, to the Russians uh, by doing this. Obviously, he always has a shopping list. Uh, when he goes there, uh, but the, the, it's a message, and it's again a message against America and the West. It's uh, uh, the actions this week were escalated uh, in, inside Syria with various uh, parties, but the bombings by the Russian Air Force, uh, the introduction of ground troops and the Iranian ground troops, and their additional commitments uh, to uh, to the fighting there. Um, this is. Uh, these are very serious, uh, uh, have serious implications for what the future course will be there. But this, the, his commitment, the Putin's commitment to maintaining Assad in power, become very clear and, that it's not just, you know, to, for humanitarian purposes or anything else. Right. And the strategy to achieve that was likely the bulk of their conversation. That's right. Wow, I would have loved to have been there for that meeting. <laughs> I'll tell you, unbelievable. Um, the um, defeat of Stephen Harper. Now, Canada's Canada, not to insult anybody up north, uh, but nonetheless, there was a uh, there was a, a a special, both symbolic and practical approach to Israel that he took publicly, completely unabashedly, and that will be missed. 
it'll be more than missed. And as you know, the the Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau's already announced that he's going to pull his troops out of the his planes out of the Syrian uh, fighting. He uh, has people in his inner circle who are who is worrisome for us. The uh, and and we know that his party and his supporters have have never been uh, sustained the pro-Israel position that uh, Harper who was uh, clearly uh, remarkable in every respect and his support uh, probably put him at the in, at the forefront of uh, all world leaders in this regard and his willingness to be so outspoken on it it was never you know a hidden thing he, he was so unabashed about it and uh, there aren't that again that many leaders the only thing most of them speak up about is when they want to criticize uh, Netanyahu and um, so I, I think we will miss him a lot. I think his voice w- was critical. I hope the people of Canada and the new government will sustain the, the general direction uh, of the policy, but the, the Canadian Jewish community will have their work cut out for them. Yeah, no question about it. By the way, and I'm sure you know this, Oh, the truth is, I, I don't know to what extent, but you could probably tell, it, it seems, based on what I'm reading, that there and halavai, I pray that it's the same in our community. There are large contingents of non-Jews who are making an effort to travel to Israel right now, and we've we've pointed this, this out in the past. But you would think that you know under these circumstances they might be even more hesitant. But it seems there are a lot of lovers of Israel that are insisting on going. They are going. Uh, uh, thank God the hotels still are full. Uh, many flights are full. Uh, I, uh, I had a book a flight for. A short uh, while in the future, and uh, there was like one or two seats left. And there are many non-Jewish groups who committed to go and are going. And they told me that, uh, by and large, the number of ca- uh, of cancellations across the board has been small. What was the reaction last Shabbos? Did you get good feedback about the Shabbos of unity that hopefully made a little bit of a difference in our community? It was one of the most positive experiences I can remember through this period of darkness. And uh, all the issues that, since the Iran legislation, everything, we, we announced it, as uh, I said last week, it took a few hours. I got all the streams to agree. But what was most remarkable is how it spread around the world in less than 24 hours. Mm-hmm. From the time we announced it, we were getting messages from all over the world and spontaneous events that uh, came about. And rabbis were saying to us that the attendance in the shuls had doubled or tripled that Shabbos. In, I'm talking about an American right. synagogue of all uh, across the board about how much people want to do something. They want this sense of unity now. People re- recognize that this is not just an attack on Israel or Israelis or settlers and the attempts to divide us all the time and to, as they did after the Iran vote now in, in, over Israel, that the American Jewish community is much more united it can be differences over particular politics or who they back or they don't back. But on the fundamental Jewish community, and they recognize this is of a different nature. This strikes at the fundamentals of our connection to Israel, the essence of the Jewish people, the essence of our heritage, that this is a war against us as it is against the, the physical state of Israel. And, uh, uh, and the reaction to the Sabbath of Solidarity, as well as to other initiatives, some of which are public and many of which are not, you know, when we call people for help or for, for support on some of the things that we are doing, uh, 
the response was immediate, and, and I didn't have people, you know, looking under the rug to see if there's something there that they won't like. Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of the positives of social media. We were speaking earlier, and you, anybody who wants to read about it, the New York Times has an article about the outrageous political songs and the the chants and the uh, and the rhetoric that's coming out of the youth um, in Arab areas. It's just it, it's it's. It's almost impossible to believe that that kids are growing up with this being fed into their heads, but but of course it is, and it spread so fast with social media. Juxtapose that with what happened at the end of last week, <coughs> where social media helped you and others get the word out regarding the Shabbos of unity. So, and about uh, many of the issues, that yeah. the reaction to the UNESCO, um, right? Obviously, people have to read it. Once they read it, they get it. What the real purpose of this is, and how the hatred of Israel is being spread by, and of Jews is being spread and we will see this in manifestations of anti-Semitism in Europe. The fact that the numbers keep going up, I believe is obviously related. It right. is a, a factor and it's not the sole factor uh, but the uh, you know, and then this building on all the tensions, etc., from the Iran debate and then the missile launched by Iran uh, and people seeing that there's Almost no reaction that the, the the United States, Great Britain, France, and Germany did yesterday go to the Security Council and want to see action. We're very critical of the attacks, say that it is a violation of Security Council resolution. As we said last week, it's a, it's a, it's a very clear violation, and whether there will be any consequence. If there isn't, then it will be open season because they'll see that there's, there's nothing uh, for them to fear if they're in violation of... Uh, uh, of the Chipoa Agreement, let alone the UN Security Council resolution. Unbelievable. Uh, two quick things from this side of the world. Um, what are your impressions? We, I always love your political scientist uh, point of view. What are, what are your impressions of uh, what happened yesterday with the hearing with uh, Hillary Clinton and ben, Benghazi? Uh, you know, the, the, everybody was looking for gotcha moments and for... Right. Uh, deeper things, but so much has been exposed and it's been blunted because there's, there's very little new that can come out, and uh, I don't know that it will impact negatively her political fortunes. I think she came out as a sympathetic figure, frankly. Well, by and large, yes. Yeah. And the, uh, but it's been cleverly played till now, uh, and I think, uh, you know, getting all the bad news about somebody out at the beginning is very smart because by now, people are as what did uh, Bernie Sanders say? They're sick and tired about the emails. Right. Tired of the yeah, he's more right than we think he is, right? And we lose they, they lose sight of what the issues and the significance of an, of an issue might be. And it's part of the problem when you have such a long campaign. We have another year to go. I know. People just get tired of it, and they you know they they want to they look at who the casualties. And by the way, don't don't overlook the staging yesterday of the Biden uh, announcement. That it was highly unusual to have an announcement of a withdrawal from a campaign with a 45-minute speech and, a, uh, and and doing it in the Rose Garden with the president present. Yeah, I mean, it could have been a very important statement of support for for Biden. And I know President, of course, he evokes uh, Biden evokes a lot of sympathy because of what he's been through and deservedly. Um, but it seemed to me a little strange that they would make that kind of production rather than a release saying oh you got to give me more than this come on <laughs> meaning what <laughs> meaning you're thinking what i don't think anything but uh i'm just saying that i thought it was highly unusual to have that kind of a dramatic setting 
and that the president would join him. Right. Therefore, it made you think that maybe. Come on, Malcolm, please. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm, hang, I'm hanging on every word. And Paul Ryan, likely Speaker of the House, anything uh, significant to say about him? He's been supportive. He's certainly been a supporter. And he, um, if he's able to, to bring some order into this chaos, I think Republicans really got to look inside instead of just looking outside and get their act in order because I think the American public getting very tired of it. Um, and as it becomes clearer, certainly on the Democratic side, that the other candidates are out. Right. Uh, and yet the Republicans are still going through the cacophony of voices. And, and I think that, the, you know, Ryan is the kind of guy who can be a unifier for, for a good part of the, of the party. And he has to play it very smart for the next few years. You tell anybody in shul tonight the Biden thing before you tell me, and you're in big trouble. That's what I'm saying publicly right now. I'm, not saying, I, I'm just saying to you that. I come on. Ceremony, and it seems to me to be. I, I, the wheels are turning, Mr. Honeline. <laughs> I can see them from here. Uh, okay, next week we'll reconvene. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak next week. There he is, Malcolm Honeline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Lachacha. Israel goes to standard time tomorrow night. It'll be a six-hour difference between the New York area and Israel for just a few days. Candle lighting at 545 on this Erev Shabbos. Sunshine and a high of 59. Amazing programming on our stream all through the weekend. We have Naomi Nachman coming up right after JM and the AM with table for two. We've got um, our incredible Kedem presentation of the Erev Shabbos music mix. Coming up uh, all through the day, all the way until candle lighting. You know, I mentioned Danny Danone in his first day as ambassador to the UN. Are you aware of the fact, aside from what I mentioned during the uh, segment with Mr. Honeline, are you aware of the fact that he put on a kippah toward the end of his speech because he was going to read from the Tanakh, Hashem oz la moyitain, Hashem yivarech damova shalom. If you're not familiar with the translation, look it up. And he uh, insisted that that be done in front of the United Nations and all its participants. Uh, with a kippah on his head. It was a good moment. It was a good moment. We have the video here. It just took too long to download, and we're going to try to post it later on if we can. By the way, speaking of posted, if you go to the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page, go to the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page, you will see the lyrics, as promised by Rabbi Baruch Chait yesterday, the lyrics to the brand-new Shabbos song for the Shabbos Project, written by Rabbi Baruch Chait and Sons. Um, it's a great song. We've been playing it. We spoke to Rabbi Chait yesterday. The lyrics are something that I think people should share with family and friends tonight at the Shabbos table, especially if you have people coming over for the Shabbos project. Um, that's my recommendation. It's on our Facebook update page. You will see it there. Go to Facebook. Just search Nachum Siegel Network. Like the page, and you'll have access to the lyrics, and you can print it out. I think it's a great recommendation. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of... Oh, and before I get to Rabbi Yudin, there was something I was asked to announce regarding uh, uh, Shomrei Torah and Fairlawn. Give me one second. They have an event coming up on the... They have an event coming up uh, on the 1st of November, starting at 12 noon. The famous Wandering Q Barbecue, the Wandering Q, will be at Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, November 1. Circle the calendar that begins at 12 noon and goes 
until 9 p.m. This time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Lech Lecha. With Parshas Lech Lecha, we focus now on Jewish history. And fascinating, unlike the strong contrast of the beginning of Parshas Noach, whereby the Torah introduces us to Noach by telling us he's Ish Tzadik, Righteous man, Tamim Hayyub Bedorosov, Eswelokim, his Halech Noach. Here, there is no introduction immediately to Avram Avinu. All you have is, Bayom Rashem El Avram, God says to Avram, two words, Lech Lecha. The first communication that God has with the first Jew is, go home. Home to the land of Canaan slash the land of Israel. According to the Chinuch, there is one mitzvah in Parshas Lech Lecha, and that is at the end of the Parsha, chapter 17, the mitzvah of Brismila. It's interesting to note that the Rambam, in his commentary on the Mishnah in the seventh chapter of Chulin, points out that we fulfill the mitzvah of Mila, circumcision, not because it is written in Parshas Lech Lecha, but rather because it is commanded to us in Parshas Tazria, whereby the Torah says, Ubayom Hashmini, and on the eighth day, Imol Besar Arlaso. In Parshas Lech Lecha, we begin some of the ten tests, trials that Avram Avinu is faced with, and I'd like to focus on one of the earlier ones. The Torah tells us that when Avram finally comes to the land of Canaan, well, shortly thereafter, in verse 10, we are told, Vahira of Baaretz, there was a famine in the land. Vayirat Avram Mitzrayma, and Avram then goes down to Egypt because of the intensity of the famine in the land. According to Rashi, this is meritorious. Avram passed the test, namely, after leaving his father, leaving his homeland, coming to a strange land, he's finally there, and as soon as he gets there, there's a famine and he has to leave the land. And instead of complaining to God and saying, like, wait a minute, like, what's going on here? There is silence on Avram's part. He accepts whatever God throws his way. So according to Rashi, he passes the test. However, according to the Ramban, this is not one of the ten tests, because according to Ramban, Avram fails over here. And the Ramban writes, and I read to you, Veda, and you should know, Ki Avram Avinu, our father Abraham, who, when they come down to Egypt, says to his wife Sarah, wait a minute, I know you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, and they will say, uh-oh, he, she is his wife, they will kill me and allow you to live. Therefore, Imrina, please say, 
achosiat, that you are my sister, in order that, well, l'man yitav in order that it will be good for me through you, v'chaisa nafshi, and my soul, I'll remain alive once again through you. Now, the Ramban writes, Vida, you should know, Ki Avram Avinu, our father Abraham, Chota Chet Godol, transgressed or sinned a great sin, Bishkaga, true, inadvertently, that he brought his wife, Hatzadekes, the righteous woman, Bimichshol Avon, literally, to the verge of transgression, because of his personal fear, lest he be killed. Avram should have had greater bitachon, trust in God, so that he would save him, as perhaps indeed we know from the Rashi at the end of Parshas Noach, that God does save Avram from the furnace. So God has a pretty good track record with him. Now, I wish to begin by calling your attention to the commentary of Rav Shimshon Rafal Hirsch on this episode of the first few psukim, starting with first Pasuk 10, that there was a famine in the land, and Avram's telling Sorai, that, please, tell them you are my sister. The commentary of Rav Hirsch is, I think, very significant. And he says the following, in quoting the Ramban, our father Abraham inadvertently committed a grave sin by placing his virtuous wife before a stumbling block of iniquity because of his fear of being killed. His leaving the land about which he had been commanded because of the famine was another sin he had committed. Nevertheless, here it comes. None of this should perplex us. The Torah does not have a water gate. What does that mean? My words. The Torah does not seek, continues Rav Hirsch, to portray our great men as perfectly ideal individuals deifies no man. It says of no one, here you have the ideal, in this man the divine assumes human form. It does not set before us the life of any one person as the model from which we might learn what is good and what is right, what we must do and what we must refrain from doing. When the Torah wishes to put before us a model to emulate, it does not present a man who was born of dust. Rather, God himself presents himself as the model, saying, the halachta bidrachav, as we find in Parshas Kisavo, look upon me, emulate me, walk in my ways. We are never to say this must be good and right because so-and-so did it. The Torah is not, continues Rav Hirsch, an anthology of good deeds. It relates events not because they are necessarily worthy, worthy of emulation, but because they took place. Now listen carefully. Very insightful. The Torah does not hide from us the faults, the errors, the weaknesses of our great men. And this is precisely what gives its stories credibility. 
The knowledge given us of their faults and weaknesses does not detract from the stature of our great men, but on the contrary, it adds to their stature and makes their life stories even more instructive. Had they been portrayed to us as malachim, as shining models of perfection, flawless and unblemished, we would have assumed that they had been endowed with a higher nature, not given us to attain. Had they been portrayed free of passions and inner conflicts, their virtues would have seemed to us as merely the consequence of their loftier nature, not acquired by personal merit and certainly no model we can ever hope to emulate. In simple English, the reason why we can relate to the Avos is because the Torah shows us not only their greatness, but even their small f, their faults. And therefore, take for example, continues Rav Hirsch, Yudin wouldn't have the chutzpah to say this, but take for example the modesty, the humility of Moshe. Had we not known, continues Rav Hirsch, that Moshe was capable also of flying into a rage, we would have assumed that Moshe's humility was an inborn trait, not within our capacity to emulate. But it's precisely his outburst at the rock, when instead of speaking to it, he hits them and he says to the people, literally, listen here, you belly acres, that this lends his humility its great, its true greatness. We thus infer that Moshe acquired humility through hard work, self-control, self-refinement, and that we are all obligated to emulate him since it's within our capacity to do the same. This is the first part that I want to share with you on Shimu, when Avram says to his wife, Imrina Achosiat. Take a deep breath. I'd like to share with you a completely different understanding of these words. I was privileged this past week to be with Rav Moshe Weinberger Shlita, the Rav of Esh Kodesh in Lawrence, and I was troubled by Avram's Imrina Achosiat, so he shared with me a thought by Rav Gershon Henach of Radzin, the grandson of the Ishbitza. What I'm going to tell you now is not pshat, is not the literal understanding. But the greatness of our Torah is, it is like an onion, layers and layers. There's pshat, there's drash, there's remez, there's sod. And just as the Ramban tells us that Avram Avinu, when he went down to Egypt because of the famine, Masay Ovos, Simon the Bonim, literally the actions of our forefathers are a portend of things to come in the future. Yaakov and his children go down because of a famine. God plagued Paro in this week's Parsha, and God plagues Egypt with ten plagues. The Jewish people, Yavram leaves with great wealth, we leave Egypt with great wealth. There is this parallel, and Avram pays the way. I'd like to suggest, in the name of Rav Gershon Henech of Radzin, a very insightful pshat. We find in the fifth chapter of Shira Shirim, what does it say in verse 2? 
says one lover to the other, Kol dodi do fake, right? The voice of my lover is knocking. Pisrili, open up. And what does he call the lover? Achosi, my sister. Rayasi, my beloved. Which one is it? And the answer is, there are times when God is very intimate with the Jewish people, like Rayasi, like a wife. And there are times when He is with the Jewish people with a less intimate but a different band, like a sibling, like one to their sister. Now watch, the first one, Rayasi, could be terminated with a get. The second one, you cannot divorce your family. Your sibling is your sibling. You might not speak to your sister every day, but there is that strong bond between siblings, and it's this unbreakable, strong bond that Avram Avinu is now saying, we have left, unfortunately, the land of Israel. We're no longer functioning now on Rayasi realm, but Imri Na, Na doesn't mean please, but Na says the Targum means Ka'an, which means now. Imri now, now that we've come down to Egypt, now that we're in a place of immorality, now the relationship of God to the Jewish people is different. It is Achosiat, that God is relating to us as that sister. And therefore, says Avram Avinu, that even in these kinds of circumstance, even in Gullus, even in exile, we still have, and we must always remember that God never forsakes the Jewish people, and He is with them, even in a time of Gullus. My friends, we pray that we are in the state of Aschalta de Geula, the land of Israel, the state of Israel, we pray, with all that is going on, is the beginning of our ultimate redemption. We sense and we pray that we are ut-ut in the days of coming before Moshiach, but we are still in Galos. The very fact that, unfortunately, there is now this tension in Israel, unfortunately, this sense of nervousness of even going out of doors, etc., which we pray is going to end. We need to listen to the Chafetz Chaim, who the Chafetz Chaim, Zechat Sadek Levrocha, said that when there is a din, when there is a judgment going on in the world, we have to increase our Rachamim. We have to increase our Chesed. We have to increase our kindness one to another. And it's not just to your best friend. It's not just to those that you're usually involved with chesed. But rather, go and extend chesed. Go, when you have a chance, this Sunday, to an old age senior citizen's home. Spend time with them. Take your children and grandchildren with you. It is such an important experience of giving dignity to the elderly, giving meaning to the children. They should realize, and they'll see how important it is from the smiles on the faces of. There are so many ways that we call can increase our circle of chesed, thereby, please God, in our times, immediately changing the relationship that at times Hashem appears to us as a chosi, that please God, this can be transformed to rayosi.
I pray that we'll take this lesson as well as the first of Rav Hirsch to heart. Shabbat Shalom to all.
p.m. and the a.m. I don't even know if Rabbi Yudin is aware of how great our musical coordination is. Words that Rabbi Yudin cited in our uh, Torah portion of the week discussion. Simcha Liner here at JM in the AM. Yeah, words in reference to uh, something Rabbi Yudin brought up. Not saying it's from the Parsha. Friday morning, it's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Lechacha with candle lighting at 5.45. Israel goes to standard time tomorrow night. I'm dedicating that announcement to listener Simon. Listener Simon, I'm dedicating that announcement to you. Six-hour difference for a few days between Israel and the New York, New Jersey area till we get to a standard time next week. Sunny with a high of 59. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Glasser and Dr. Scott Goldberg. And uh, Mr. Morty Nissel are all with us live via telephone. It is uh, a tight schedule here at JM and the AM, but I found out that finally we can make a major, major announcement regarding the unusual of Passaic Clifton. I said to Matis Weingast at about 1 o'clock this morning, we must make sure to get them on the air. Rabbi Yaakov Glasser, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. It's such a privilege to be here together with you. I greatly appreciate that. Um, how many how many months back do we go when the decision was made that there was going to be a new Young Israel of Passaic Clifton? Probably about five years wow. from when we initiated the campaign and construction over the last uh, two or three years. Uh, but the truth is the growth of this shul has been building for decades uh, beginning with the vision and leadership of Rabbi Chaim Wasserman and all of those who've been part of the Young Israel story uh, for so many decades. And this is the culmination of a whole history of a shul, uh, being able to build such a new and vibrant Makam Tefillah. Hey, you don't have to sell me. I'm one of the biggest fans of Young Israel, Pesay Clifton, and I'm proud that I've been able to watch this growth over the years. Um, t- tell us the schedule. What is, I mean, this hit us a little bit by surprise over the last 24 hours. Tell us what is happening tonight in Passaic, New Jersey. Absolutely. We have been davening over the last three years at the Yeshiva Katana of Passaic, uh, thanks to the gracious um, opportunity given to us by Rabbi Hurst. We will be convening there for Mincha at 5 p.m. Immediately following Mincha, we will be walking with music, our Sifrei Torah, from the Yeshiva Katana, the three blocks, uh, to the new building, to 200 Brook Avenue at the Young Israel. Uh, we will enter the shul in exuberance and excitement with singing and dancing. Uh, we will place the Sifrei Torah in our new Aaron Kodesh. We will together sing Eitz Chaim, close the Aron, and begin Kabbalah Shabbos. Uh, then throughout Shabbos, of course, we'll have Drushos. Uh, inspiring the Kehillah regarding our, our new home. And then on Motse Shabbos, uh, from 8 to 11 p.m., there is the entire community, the entire broader community is invited uh, to rejoice with us um, together at a Malava Malka. That will take place from 8 to 11 with Divrei Bracha from about 9 to 10. Unbelievable. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about what's happening. And just so it's clear to everybody, especially with the music, etc., you're doing this today way before candlelighting. On, correct, correct, on purpose. Correct. We will begin the new shul's experience with Kabbalah Shabbos and with keeping Shabbos. <laughs> very good, very good. 
<laughs> now, Dr. Scott Goldberg and Morty Nissel are with you, correct? Absolutely, as they always are every step of the way. They are the president and vice president of the synagogue, Young Israel Passei, Clifton, uh, respectively. Dr. Scott Goldberg, I, I don't know how many times you and I have discussed the process that you have been in over the last few years. It must be an exhilarating experience just thinking about what's going to happen tonight. Uh, it truly is, Nassim, and thank you for having us on to share that experience with you. Uh, this is really a celebration for the broader Passaic community, and uh, it is uh, clearly the outcome of tremendous investment by that broader community as well as our own Kehila. By the way, I, I can't ask this from my glasser. Uh, Dr. Goldberg, I, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm taking a chance here because I have a feeling it's a positive number. What has been the percentage change in membership at the unusual Passaic Clifton since the arrival of Rabbi Glasser? I'm just curious. It's uh, close to 400% growth. You're serious? I am serious. Wow. The truth is that that's within a context of uh, continued growth in the larger Passaic Clifton community. Understood. We're very proud to be a major contributor uh, to the larger community and to continue to participate in the larger community's growth. Uh, truly, this is a celebration for the, the entire community. Unbelievable. What an incredible thing. And Morty Nissel, let me wish Mazal Tov to you as well. Thank you so much, Nachum. What are your thoughts today as you embark on what's going to be one of the most beautiful Hachnasas Sefer Torahs ever? We're, we're so excited. This has been, you know, going on for so long. We've been working so hard, uh, with many people who have been at the building at the site for so many hours every single day for the last many, many months, uh, trying to get this project finished. So we're really excited that we finally, Baruch Hashem, have made it to this point. I cannot wait to visit, gentlemen. I really cannot wait to visit. It's a big Shabbos at the Young Israel Passaic Cliff, and it's the first Shabbos. Talk about a Shabbos project. It's the first Shabbos of the new... The ultimate Lech Lecha. <laughs> you can oh. say, yeah, well, we got to be careful on my glass. Or we know, we know what, we're, we know Lech Lecha wasn't talking about Passaic, so we, we got to be careful. We are on a journey, this community, <laughs> which will begin on Brook Avenue this afternoon and call in we even have the Jerusalem stone embedded in the building, ready wow. to go, and it's built according to Jerusalem's building codes, and we're, we're ready to go. I can't I, take the whole thing to Eretz Yisrael. I can't let you go without, and we have no time, but you got to give me 20 seconds. Give me a 20-second preview, Rabbi Glasser, of tomorrow's message. Just give me a 20-second preview, please. Tomorrow's message is ultimately the message of what a base Knesset is all about, as Rabbi Salavechik would explain. It's about base Knesset Yisrael. It's oh. about the coming together of the Jewish people, of different types of people, with different approaches, with different backgrounds, coalescing into the experience of cultivating a relationship with the Rabboni Shalom and a relationship with each other. And that is the vision for our shul and the vision for our community. I can't thank you enough. Mazel tov to all of you. I pray that maybe there's a chance I could get over there tomorrow night and uh, and see you, if not, in the very near future, Bezrat Hashem. Mazal tov again and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Nachum. Unbelievable. Young Israel Bezay Clifton. What a, what a way to spend a Friday, huh, folks? 5 p.m. today. That's the way to go into Shabbos. We should have a celebration like that every Shabbos in all the communities. Instead of rushing at the last minute and wondering if we're going to get to candlelighting on time, we should be ready for Shabbos and, and dancing to shul for 45 minutes every single week. What a way to start. Uh, it's Arab Shabbos Parshas Lechacha with candlelighting at 545. Naomi Nachman, incredible Naomi, the Aussie Gourmet, is coming up just five minutes from now. 
on jmnam.org and the NSN app. Tatiana Shelvester, owner of Heavenly Cake Pops, will be her guest, plus cookbook author Elizabeth Kurtz, whose brand-new cookbook was released this week. It's called Celebrate, a portion of the Prophet's Benefit Amuna in Israel. There will be a giveaway. Naomi has been attracting a tremendous number of listeners to her program, not just through the archives, but live as well. Uh, so you'll have a lot of competition today, but they are giving away uh, at least one cookbook today. So uh, pay careful attention between 9 and 10, jmnam.org and the NSN app. And um, and there was something else I wanted to mention. Don't forget, uh, incredible programming all weekend long on our stream at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. Matis has JM Sunday coming up starting Sunday at uh, 7 a.m. And uh, that features news from Israel in English whole bunch of great material every single week, so make sure you are tuned in, even on the weekend, to JM in the AM and jmintheam.org. Time to take a Shabbos. Candle lighting at 545. It's Journeys at JM in the AM.
My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Those who are uh, doing the Kalbach Shabbos this Shabbos, enjoy, be inspired on this Shabbos project, Shabbos, by the uh, great music of Rav Shlomo Kalbach, whose yard site is this coming Thursday. Uh, we'll be presenting the 24 hours of Kalbach. Uh, those of you who missed any of the weekly update, the weekly update archive is now in the uh, NSN app. Go to the weekly update section. Uh, go to the archive section, the weekly update section in the uh, NSN app, and you could access the entire conversation. Mazel tov to the group in Brooklyn that's responsible for the Guinness Book of World Records record for the largest challah of 20 feet. Mazel tov to you. And if you go to our Facebook update page, you can uh, find the Nachum Siegel Network Facebook update page. You will find the uh, words to the brand new Rabbi Baruch Chait song for the Shabbos Project. The lyrics are up there. Share it with your family and friends over Shabbos. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Naomi Nachman is next on jmnam.org and the NSN app. Till next week, Nachum Sigur reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.